0: I mean, I hope so. That was long-winded, but it worked.
1: That was really (laughs) long-winded.
0: We're back, baby. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. We're back from an extended break and ready to share what we've been reading. I'm Curtis.
1: And I'm Chelsea. We're back.
0: We're back. One of us in black. Oh gosh.
1: (laughs) So we'll give everyone a quick update on what's been going on over here in our world. But first, thank you to everyone who sent us emails and messages of encouragement over the last month and a half. We just got an email the other day. I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, asking, when will you be back? We miss you. <laughs> and we don't take that for granted. It's really sweet. So thank you.
0: Also, people, we put it out. New episode, June 18th.
1: Curtis. <laughs> Some people might not follow us on Instagram, which is where we do most of our announcements. So
0: when, so when we last left everyone, we were getting ready to pack up and leave our Oklahoma home mm-hmm. and head up north. So yeah.
1: here's what we've been up to. Um, I earned my master's degree in English.
0: Can you supercut in some applause?
1: Maybe. Feels a little weird. Woo. Editing that in for myself.
0: You should supercut in like all of the applause. Can you do fireworks too?
1: I'll see what I can find. Uh, one of the fun parts of moving was that we stayed in a log cabin for three weeks while we waited to move into our house. I like to make it sound like we were living little house on the prairie style, like picking berries. Now, but how, now that's how, many, not what how many
0: days did it take you for the novel part of that to wear off one week <laughs> <laughs> followed by another two change where we were still living there. for
1: one week it was like oh this is so serene and relaxing there and i a, can just read yeah, and there was enjoy a, nature there was a
0: swing outside and you were sitting yeah, out there reading I, I was in the rocking chair that lasted a week <laughs> and then you're like get me in the house
1: <laughs> um but now we're all moved in we're getting used to our new community and Just making it feel like home. So one of the fun things that um, you did when we were unpacking is you cataloged all of your books.
0: Well, because I had for years I've been purchasing and stuff has just been piling up next to my bookshelves and I had never really kept a good log of all the books that I own. Only in the past couple of years I've even tracked my reading, like using Goodreads and keeping track of the year to date and all that stuff. So the next logical step was for you to teach me how to use a Google form and take that into a spreadsheet and catalog all my books. The fun part is just the pie charts. So um, I broke it down, fiction and nonfiction, because listeners will know that I'm a big proponent of reading nonfiction, and I have been for decades. But surprisingly, I own more fiction books.
1: I'm not surprised by that, though.
0: Why would you say that?
1: Because even though you... Push for reading nonfiction. You love fiction, yeah, and you love you're a huge fantasy reader.
0: Fantasy was not as big a category as you might have thought. No, but
1: with as many like Vince Flynn books, Tom Clancy books, there are so many books in all of those series, and those are prolific authors. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm not surprised that fiction outweighs nonfiction because I think you probably have a lot of books from the same author. But there are just a ton of them in that series. So it just outnumbers nonfiction mm-hmm. significantly.
0: Now, before I gave you the grand total, where did you think my read versus unread numbers were going to be at?
1: I honestly was not surprised. I didn't think about it before you told me. <laughs> so, But I wasn't surprised when you told me the split. I wasn't shocked at all.
0: Uh, so my total count was 556, which I don't know if it's a lot or...
1: Books that you own.
0: Yeah, that's what I own in all came out of boxes and it's now stacked up in my office and waiting to figure out how I'm going to put it on my shelves. Um, my fiction versus nonfiction was a little over half. So like 54% was fiction more than the nonfiction. My number one category was thrillers and suspense, which I had at 223 total, which was 40%. And my read versus unread was dead on 50-50. <laughs> Like my read was (laughs) 50.5
1: over 250 books that you have
0: not read over like 275 books that I own that I have not read. It's insane. And you'll hate this. But as I was unpacking, all I could see were books that I've read that I just want to read again. (laughs) So
1: silly. And so I think over 500 books is a lot. But when you think about you've been collecting these books since you were in what? high school
0: probably Late middle
1: school even well, for some of them maybe and
0: even think about that like i got rid of over a hundred star wars books yeah when you know disney bought them and i flipped out um, <laughs> and that was a fun part about um our checking out some new bookstores here in new york as i actually am starting to re-buy some old star wars books and build my collection back up for just that. your
1: favorites yeah
0: just some of them not know,
1: the full hundred you know
0: the old schools but you think about it as i've been buying and going on like i got rid i've gotten rid of over 100 books yeah and i'm still at 550
1: you love books man yeah
0: we make a podcast Uh, yeah i mean hey
1: i don't think there's gonna be any judgment here um i started to fill out and catalog my books and then i got sick of it and stopped there's my personality
0: (laughs) (laughs) well the fun part for me was i would just put on an audiobook and then just be cataloging and then you'd come find me hours later and I'd be like no I just I want to do this whole stack of boxes
1: all right so let's talk about the books that we read while um we were living in the cabin
0: so for the (laughs) week that we were actually excited to be there and it got some good reading done yeah Um,
1: actually all three of these books that I'm gonna mention I read in that first week Back
0: when times were good (laughs) okay go ahead
1: Okay, um, so the first book that I picked up was Final Girls by Riley Sager, and I actually grabbed this because it's a murder thriller, and the actual murders take place in a cabin in the woods, Right, which I thought like, oh, normally I would be... Not about this, because I'm a pretty sensitive reader. I've gotten more sensitive to like thriller and murder content as I've gotten older. Um, so normally I feel like I would be like, no, this is not the environment. But I had you and Penny right beside me every minute that I read it. I read it from start to finish, probably in the span of what, four and a half hours in sure. one night. Mm-hmm. And you were right next to me and I was okay. It was daylight outside. <laughs> so I was fine the title final girls comes from this term that was coined to represent like the final girls who survived mass murder incidents so it the book centers on three final girls so these three young women who survived horrific circumstances one of the final girls dies and you learn that like within the first 20 pages that's not a spoiler or anything Um, and the other two get together under those circumstances. So there's an unreliable character, there's a narrator with memory loss, but I feel like those things are done well in this book. This is the first mystery that I read in a long time, actually. I took a big break from mysteries and thrillers because I was getting bored, but this one sucked me right back in. Like I said, I, I read it in one sitting. Um, it was tense and suspenseful, but I didn't find it terrifying, and I don't know if that was just because I was able to read it so fast, um, but I found it really satisfying, and so I have um, the other Riley Sager book, uh, The Last Time I Lied, I think, is the second one. It's not a series, but it's just the second one that he released, mm-hmm. um, and I have that one to read too, so I'm getting back into mystery. There you go. I think you would like the book as well. You, I think I put it on your pile.
0: You handed it off to me and then it got, you know, mixed up with all the boxes. So <laughs> Did I'm, you
1: unpack it? Yeah,
0: I found it and then I will oh, okay. read it eventually. Yeah, it would be a quick read. <laughs> I made a small stack uh, that is going to end up next to my nightstand that I mm-hmm. need to work my way through in the short term. Um, so the first one that I found uh, that I'm going to talk about is The Rook by Daniel O'Malley. So I picked this up. When we stopped in Tulsa on our way up from Oklahoma to New York, and we didn't even really talk about that, but we stopped in Tulsa at a bookstore for an Ann Bogle event. Yeah. Um, so I saw this as one of the employee recommendations. Cause Your I'm, favorite? I'm a sucker for the employee recommendations. I love it. Mainly, I go there to find the sci-fi fantasy person because either... Um, I want to see if they've recommended Name of the Wind or Liza Lamora, that type of stuff. Um, so this caught my eye because it has. So
1: you want to see if they're right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> if just... they're up to your standard. <laughs> I'm just completely judging their <laughs> scope and ability to okay. make recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first in the series. Um, they call it the Shekei.
1: I don't you're looking at me like I know I don't know <laughs> no, no no it's
0: it's a, I think that that's French I don't know but it, it speaking of the memory loss at angle that you were talking about with final girls um there Miffany is the lead character in this book and the book opens where she has no idea who she is and she has these letters written from her um but she has no memory of her former life so the like story goes, where she's kind of impersonating herself and taking steps to make sure people don't know that she doesn't know who she is, because she works for this supernatural secret service organization for like British government.
1: So it's like Jason Bourne,
0: um, more James Bond, but with like aliens and supernatural stuff. I was just thinking like
1: stuff. the memory loss and then kind of like oh, I could secret see secret stuff. Yeah,
0: um, if. He went to work the next day and was trying to prevent people from knowing that he had suffered memory loss. Yeah. Which is the intriguing part of this where Miffany's is trying to prevent and keep her secret. And so people won't know that she's had this memory loss because then otherwise she would be a threat and they would take action against her. So it's her trying to learn things from the letters from herself and then also prevent people around her from realizing who she is and then supernatural like crazy stuff happening in the aftermath so
1: it just sounds like a mashup of all of your favorite movies yeah
0: it's great um i'm looking forward to reading the second one so good job on that tulsa bookstore you have uh
1: magic city books magic
0: Magic city books in tulsa you know what you're doing (laughs) Obviously, because you had Ann Bogle come and talk at your store. (laughs) What's the next one you wanted to talk about?
1: Okay, um, I picked up Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. And this one, this one got a lot of buzz when it came out. So if you haven't heard of it yet, a quick Google search will yield a lot of excitement around it. It's a courtroom drama slash mystery slash family story. And I didn't know how that would all work together, but it was good. It centers on uh, a Korean immigrant family and they own this miracle submarine is what some might call it. But it's basically an oxygen therapy tank. So the patients sit in the tank and it pumps 100% oxygen. And so it's supposed to have health benefits. So the submarine explodes under mysterious circumstances and ends up killing and injuring some of the patients. So really quickly you get the courtroom drama of the trial. Um, The mother of one of the um, dead patients is on trial for murder. And so you get this courtroom drama and then you get flashbacks and it's alternating perspectives. I think there are maybe like six character perspectives that you get. So I think multiple narrators is hard to do. Angie Kim did it really well. Everyone has a secret and things are slowly revealed throughout the book. There were some really deep themes about parenting with um, children with disabilities, parenting in general, immigration. It reminded me of a Leon Moriarty book, like Big Little Lies or The Husband's Secret, but without The snarkiness, it was definitely more serious, more dramatic, um, but that sort of, I don't know, if if people have read Leon Moriarty, they, they might know what I'm talking about, where, like, an incident happens behind the scenes. And then the duration of the book is multiple perspectives and different people grappling with that, having flashbacks and getting to the end of the book where you figure out what actually happened. This wasn't like a beach read for me. I didn't speed through it. It's more literary. And so it just, it depends on what your taste is for Summer Mysteries.
0: Yeah. When you were talking about it, um, as you were going through it, it sounded... Very intriguing. Like you, I would have expected the family that owns the device would be the ones that are on trial for murder. So it throws you the curveball right away. Yes, definitely.
1: All right. What else did you read?
0: Um, so I read Ghost Fleet by P.W. Singer and August Cole. So I was talking about this one on my Instagram. It's one of the books off of General Millie. Army, uh, US Army Chief of Staff reading list. So it's one of the only fiction books that he has on there, but it's supposed to be this futuristic look at how technological advances uh, could affect the next world war. So a lot of leaders in the military community and defense and intelligence are reading it and talking about it as a way to kind of war game in your head about, okay, if we went to war on a global scale, How would we combat these things? Because within the first five pages, you know, there's fights up in space where people are taking over space stations and satellites are getting knocked out of the sky and GPS systems are getting all out of whack. And you got to figure out how you would combat those things as somebody in, you know, planning for the army of 2030 and 2040, because that could be a future war that we fight. Um,
1: So it's more technology war,
0: Yeah, um, a lot of it deals with the Navy side. Um, I don't know what the background are on either of these two gentlemen, if they were um, in the Navy or if there's a reason behind that. Um, They're both strategists and consultants for the military and the intelligence community. Um, And one of them was a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. And then they've both been guests and um, lecturers at, like, Command and General Staff College and these other military schools that try to teach you how to think critically in a future war setting. So, and they're good followers, or sorry, they're good follows on Twitter. So I've been getting into like this mill Twitter where people are having discussions about it and it's kind of fun. Um, And then I saw an article this week that kind of addresses something from the book where Chinese companies are manufacturing computer chips that will go in the next generation of u.s warplanes so it's the f-35 is something that gets mentioned in the book and that's a plot line from the book is that they hack these microchips and then can take control of or take out systems on these planes so we're looking a bunch of us were like reading these articles and sharing it we're like did anybody read ghost fleet i remember
1: seeing you post that (laughs) yeah so
0: (laughs) because it didn't turn out too well um after they could take over those planes.
1: Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> Goodness. Um,
0: so overall it wasn't my favorite uh, like fiction read and the conclusion wasn't that satisfying. But for the questions that it brought up and the discussions that I'm getting out of it for okay, if these things were to happen XYZ, how would we handle it? What would we do? And that's kind of the reason I think General Milley has it on his list is he wants to create an environment where if you don't have GPS, if you can't talk, if satellites are knocked out, how are you still going to get the mission done? Because you have to. So that sounds f-
1: like it'd be a good book club book if you are into military science.
0: Or you brought this up that I could try to have it as a book club for my next job to try to meet friends. Why not? <laughs> Which I'm not opposed to. Like yeah. People were talking about it in uh, Oklahoma at my last class and i hadn't read it yet so i couldn't talk about it but
1: a little break to tell you that while we've been unpacking and organizing stuff or in curtis's case cataloging all of his books we've been doing a lot of audiobook listening libro fm is our favorite audiobook subscription service and for our listeners they're offering three audiobooks for the price of one You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including new releases, current bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country. When you set up your account, you can choose to support your local independent bookstore, or if you don't have a local indie, you can choose any independent bookstore across the country to support. And with Libro.fm, you get to listen to amazing audiobooks and support communities. If you already love audiobooks, but you don't know what to listen to next, Libro.fm has excellent curated lists to choose from. Listeners of the Here at She Read podcast get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. That is three audiobook credits for the price of one. We've made the switch to Libro.fm, and we hope you will too. In order to get your three audiobooks, go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot f-m, and enter the promo code HRSR. Or go through the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you are supporting local bookstores. So back to what we read. The last mystery that I picked up while we were stuck in our cabin. It, was, it wasn't terrible. No. The first week was really fun. <laughs> it's really hard to explain unless you go through it. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the uh, last mystery that I'll talk about is Murder at the Brightwell by Ashley Weaver. This is a mystery series. So I think people have heard me talk about Veronica Speedwell, Maisie Dobbs, um, those sort of like lady detective novels that I love so much. This is another one to add to your list. It takes place in the 1930s. It's got very Agatha Christie-like vibes. The main character, Amory Ames, great name right
0: oh yeah alliterations you know i love
1: yes amory ames is a socialite and she's got a playboy husband yeah and she's kind of getting sick of him she's fed up with the society columns writing about him being with other women she doesn't really trust him so the opportunity comes up where she gets to go to a resort getaway with her former beau and someone ends up murdered
0: or murdered (laughs) yes This just reminds me of, like, they should be wearing fedoras in, like, His Girl Friday talking sequences.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to compare it to the Thin Man movies with Nick and Nora. Yeah. You remember those? Sure. No, I don't. (laughs) William Powell and Myrna Loy? Never seen Yes, we watched, we literally watched the first one together. And they have the little Terrier, Jack Russell Terrier.
0: Did we literally watch them or did we make out?
1: Oh, gosh. Curtis. (laughs) (laughs) I swear we watched it.
0: Did you? Was that too much information for the podcast? Maybe, but <laughs> I do remember them now because they are very similar to Frank and Sadie Doyle from the Thrilling Adventure.
1: Comic. Yes, yeah. we'll link to all of that stuff in the show notes. But anyway, so her husband follows her because, of course, he's concerned about this former beau. And
0: he's you just know, he's jealousy. Just, he's just looking out for his dame.
1: Exactly, um, and they team up to solve the murder. So there's romance. It's witty there's some good historical detail very light like the stakes besides obviously the murder
0: mm-hmm.
1: aren't super high like it's it's a cozy mystery but with like a beachy setting so it was great for summer think like glitz and glamour and art deco and martinis yeah and
0: darling
1: And <laughs> darling <laughs> yes wrap us up with your third book
0: well, I don't want to talk about it too much because we're going to devote a whole discussion episode to it that we're going to put out on Patreon, but I read Bad Blood by John Carey Rue, um, which is the story of Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. Um, we, How did you originally hear about this? Because you're the one who kind of turned me on to it.
1: Oh, it's all over the place. Was it
0: on like NPR that you heard of it originally, or do you, know, uh, can you even remember?
1: It's been out for quite a while, so I don't remember where I first saw it, but... Like, it's a popular, best-selling book. Yeah. So
0: um, so the book came out of an investigative reporting. Um, Carrie Rue works for the Wall Street Journal, and he was digging into this company in Silicon Valley called Theranos, um, whose CEO was Elizabeth Holmes. And she was making some very outlandish claims that her company was going to change medical science And she was being compared to Steve Jobs and kind of had adopted some of his mannerisms. And she was a big deal. But the problem comes around that the technology didn't really live up to a lot of the claims. So we both read the book. Uh, We're going to talk about it in another episode. We read or we watched the documentary. And I listened to the ABC News podcast about it, um, which was called The Dropout. So we've been dealing with a lot of Elizabeth Holmes in our lives lately.
1: I think um, part of why you really liked it was it tied in with a, a lot of the businessy stuff that you were studying in your um, classes oh, from the last it, semester.
0: It was a classic example of the opposite of the ideal organizational behavior. Like mm-hmm. I took an organizational behavior class and everything that she did was completely the opposite of what you're supposed to do for a healthy work environment.
1: I really loved it because I really like investigative journalism. Love it. I thought... The narrative was so well-written, and even though I'm not super into science or business, I feel like the psychology behind it all is really fascinating, mm-hmm. and it's it's a story about how humans behave. Highly recommend it, and yes, we are going to record our discussion and post it at a later date, so.
0: That's going to be a fun one to talk about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, before we wrap up with our recommendations of the week, we can't forget to mention Lady Hardcastle.
0: Well, because it's our classic road trip. Listen.
1: Our favorite road trip audiobooks are Lady Hardcastle. The Was this the fifth one? Sounds about right. The Burning Issue of the Day by T.E. Kinsey. And this one um, I particularly liked because it put Lady Hardcastle and Flo in... The worlds of the suffragettes. I say, <laughs> what was what was the line that I liked so much in this one? Oh, I can't remember. The last one was he couldn't organize a bun fight in a bake shop, um, but I forget what this one. Um, <laughs> what my favorite line was, but I don't know. We just mentioned Lady Ardcastle several times. That's because
0: we love it, <laughs> and
1: it's so good. So yes, highly recommend. And I think you can listen to them out of order, but. I recommend starting at the beginning and going through them. We'll link to um, those books in the show notes as well. And if you don't know where to find our show notes, go to hereadsheread.org and click on podcast and all of our episode show notes are on there for you. Okay, Curtis, recommend something.
0: Well, we're not going to talk about Game of Thrones because, you know, it was terrible. It Um, wasn't (laughs)
1: terrible. I don't think it was terrible. I think I'm
0: going to have to revisit it. In a little bit of time and let it simmer and then maybe have a different reaction to it. Um, But in the aftermath of that, we discovered that everybody was talking about Chernobyl.
1: And we had the HBO
0: subscription. So might as well watch. And let me tell you, it was so compelling and historically accurate and breaking it down to the level that we had never really seen before.
1: Well, this is something that gets skipped over in history books.
0: Nuclear disaster, like, people really know all of that part of it, like, but you don't see, you know, the work that the Soviet Union had to do to prevent it from becoming an even bigger global disaster. People that were trying to get the information out there, um, and it was, it was really well-acted and incredible. So it was only five episodes. I'd watch it through again tomorrow. It was amazing. Um, but you really see the human cost of... A couple of mistakes where you know people were not thinking that this could ever happen and just in the nuclear age where all that stuff was happening in the 80s they were thinking that they were invincible and just the might and everything came back to bite them in the butt
1: um there's also a podcast that goes along with it i don't know if you've listened to that yet have not um peter sagal is one of the co-hosts because he's friends with one of the producers or something um so if you've been listening to the game of thrones recaps from nerdette that we recommended a while back and you like peter sagel
0: i feel like that was a perfect spot for dropping a patriarchy jingle (laughs) where he's just where peter's the friend of one of the producers yeah (laughs) (laughs) um
1: anyway so that people will only get that if they listen to the nerdette game of thrones recaps well we recommended
0: it so they should be listening to it
1: (laughs) (laughs) goodness Anyway, I've heard that that podcast is really good because it goes into more historical detail. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, I guess, is an extra recommendation. But besides Chernobyl, the other show that we were watching in the midst of this move was Schitt's Creek. I had heard it recommended before. And, you know, I watched the first episode, I think, when you were deployed. And I watched the first episode and I was like, "Eh, it's okay. But then watching it again, you have to like get into a couple of episodes to really fall in love with the characters and get the rhythm and the sense of humor. And I think watching it with someone helped. Oh, it was so,
0: fantastic.
1: Well, yeah, I loved
0: it. The backstory is is that they are a multi million dollar family that loses all of their money and has to move to this town called Shit's Creek and live in a motel. And so it, you just have these fish out of water rich people in this podunk town and just the hilarity ensues. I liked the fact that it's like a father and son duo in the creative side that are also acting and playing as father and son in the show. So I like that.
1: I just like Moira. She's just my favorite. (laughs) She's one of my favorite TV characters of all time. And we really need seasons five and six up on Netflix. Well, I think five is done they might be filming six did they already do six i don't remember honey. anyway we need more is what we're saying all right well if you enjoyed this episode format where we each shared three books of the last month that we really loved you might want to check out our patreon page every month we post a bonus episode featuring our favorite books that we read a newsletter full of behind the scenes info and extra book recommendations based on our monthly buddy reads you can subscribe to all of this bonus content for only $3 per month. So it's like spending a latte per month to get our bonus content. Another great way to support the show is to take 2 minutes and write a review on iTunes.
0: Hold on. Yeah. RIP to iTunes. It's gone now, so they have to go to Apple Podcasts.
1: Um iTunes is still on my laptop.
0: Yeah, you didn't read the news where they said that iTunes is being disbanded? No. You, you can't I go I missed that. You, <laughs> uh it apparently is being no longer updated and shut down so if you're going online to write your reviews you have to go to apple podcast
1: oh i didn't know that
0: well now you do
1: okay now i have to figure that whole thing out gosh kids these days um we so appreciate your enthusiasm and we still just can't believe that y'all listen to us talk about books
0: our buddy read for next month is Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke. Tune in next week and you can hear us discuss The River by Peter Heller, which is our June buddy read. Thanks again to Libro FM for sponsoring this episode. And be sure to connect with us on social media or email. We're at HeReadSheRead on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can email us at HeReadSheReadPodcast at gmail.com.
1: Thank you for listening, and remember, the couple that reads together
0: doesn't let your spouse get murdered in a cabin while reading about other people getting murdered in a cabin.
1: I mean, I hope so. That was long-winded, but it worked. That was really (laughs) long-winded. We're back, baby!